Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 3rd, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 46, paragraph 1. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Diane G., The 12 Traditions, Debbie B., Readers of the Text, Terry H., Chelsea H., Michelle K. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, February 2nd, 2015, is 7295. 7295. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here today to read the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G., I will now ask Debbie B. to read the 12 Traditions. Thanks, Melanie. Debbie B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. 
the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, prestige, money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Debbie D. Our, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the, from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 46, paragraph 1, starting with, yes, we have agnostic. And I will ask Terry um, H., please, to begin our study. Good morning. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from me. Yes, we have agnostic temperament, have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So this paragraph, it's talking about, you know, again, um, it's talking about, I just want to kind of focus in on the 
sentence where it says, we found that as soon as we were able to, and I have these numbered, um, one, to lay aside prejudice, and two, to express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. So here we are, they're giving us clear-cut directions again. This is, you know, directions that if I'm, you know, if I open my mind a little bit, even though, even though I don't know what this power looks like or what it is, um, if I just open my mind a little bit, that um, something's going to happen. So um, in this paragraph, I mean, it talks about, you know, laying aside what I think I know because, I, you know, if I know I'm powerless over food, that I have to be um, a little bit open to know that I need something other than me to continue with this journey. And uh, so uh, on page 42, there's a couple, you know, 42, they talk about laying aside my old ideas, 46, um, page 47, 48, and 49. So over and over again, Bill's trying to, you know, um, tell me that he was once here and that if I just lay, lay aside you know, my old ideas and bring in new, that I'm going to have a new experience. And I remember when I went through this with my step guide, um, you know, she said, you know, Terry, you can't see the wind, but you can see what it touches when it blows. And I said, yeah, I can, I, I, that's true. And she said, well, it's the same thing. She said, you can't see God, but you can see what, it touch, what he touches. And, um, you know, with that saying, you know, with her bringing that to my attention, I could see that how God had touched all the recovered compulsive overeaters' lives because I had, you know, it's, you know, she was one of the, wit- you know, she was my witness in, in front of me that, you know, I'd seen her at her top late and um, I had seen her, you know, when we started working together, she had, you know, recovered and was living this happy life. And uh, it was really the, probably the first time that I had some hope. And I'm so grateful that, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't know this power, you know, um, you know, and all she said was, let's try the experience and I get the results later. And I'm so grateful, you know, thank you, God. I get to experience this power by not knowing this power. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry H. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, it's Suji. Hi. How old are you? Hi, Suji. I have Suji and Carol G. Let's start with that. Good morning, Suji. Good morning. And I must open my book to the current paragraph. So, we have had these thoughts and experiences, etc. And we get down to we'll fully, um, it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. So, so now we have the words, that, and there's the words of a, a 1939 struggling alcoholic named Bill W. So, so it took me right back to page 12, um, where where Bill was talking about Ebby. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. So, oh good, we have our, is it our stinking thinking or our good thinking here? It's both, (laughs) which it always is, which always totally floors me. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens however loving his sway might be. 
I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. My friend suggested what seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? So then I, I think of a couple of old AAs who, who said, how, how do you do this stuff? And the answer is, you just begin. That, that's all it's asking us to do. Just open your mind just a tad, be willing just a tad, and that's enough. That's all this stuff, too, is really asking us to do. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Sue G. Carol G., good morning. Morning, Melanie. Morning, visionaries. Thank you for the meeting. Carol G., recovered, newly recovered one day at a time, living in England. Wow. Um, I don't know what I was going to say, but I've been moved to speak, and it was the line where it said, as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, and I could really get into what prejudice is for me, but actually, my prejudice was just, I wasn't asking for help. I was still trying to do this on my own, and I wasn't able to just look around and see the mess I was in. And the moment I was gifted with that ability to just see things as they really, really are and how devastated my life actually was, I didn't have to um, create a higher power or think of a higher power. I just knew I needed one. I was that desperate that I was willing to give this God thing a go. It was kind of like when I resist something, it usually means that it's going to help me because I am such an addict. I'm hardwired to look for ease and comfort. And for me, there's no ease and comfort in a God that's invisible that I can't comprehend. And so I would always look for some kind of ease and comfort to go with it at the same time, but it just wasn't going to happen. It was the devastation of my life. It was what they've taught me in the first few chapters before we agnostic that showed me how terribly ill I really, really was that convinced me I really needed to have my mind opened and have this new higher power bring in into my life something that I couldn't create of myself. And that for me was the laying me aside the prejudice, the prejudice that I needed help, um, the prejudice that I couldn't see my life as it truly was. It's just, oh, it's a wonderful thing. And the best thing that I could ever do for myself was to just say, you know what, I'll spin the wheel and I'll give it a go. I work the 12 steps and the miracle's happening for me. Jump in. The water's warm. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Carol G. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? I'd like to see you. This is Vasa. Hi, Vasa. Good morning. And Larry. Vasa first, please. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I am Vasa O. Recover compulsive reader calling from Florida. You know, I when I came in the program, I had the gift of desperation, but I really didn't see it as a death. I didn't see it as a gift. I saw it as a punishment. That you know, that I will not be able to eat certain foods. You know, I mean, for me to even imagine to think for the rest of my life, I couldn't even think like that. For me, just to do it one day at a time was even too much. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, I had, I was powerless. I was ready to admit I was powerless over my food addiction, and it didn't work. My ideas didn't work anymore. 
and I was just so ready and so willing to surrender to God, you know, with the food and my life. I, I wasn't ready to surrender my life and my will. You know, I really had a difficult time with that, but at least I made 150% surrender with the food. I had nothing to lose. I wanted to have a better life than the life I was, I was living. And that was the beginning. That was like the beginning, even though I didn't believe, I didn't trust in God, that God is going to do for me what I can do for myself. But I was willing and ready to ask for that help, you know, surrender on my knees. You know, I know, you know, we're not step three, but that's okay. I did the first three steps all at once when it came with the food, but not with my life and my will. So that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Larry Kay, good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Uh, Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, you know, it's, it's when, when we talk about God and prejudice, a lot of us do come in with, uh, with prejudice. I know I certainly did. Um, because I, I, I really compartmentalized this notion of God and, and, and spirituality as something separate from my day-to-day life. So the notion of, you know, working this program, and uh, which for me coming in felt very much like a diet, you know, and, um, you know, because it came with a food plan and, you know, some support. You know, I was used to perhaps group support. Um, but to me, that was separate from God. And uh, while I could accept uh, some sort of, you know, rationalization that maybe, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's, you know, God is infused in everything. But that was just some sort of notion that, you know, was really beyond my understanding because I hadn't really experienced it. And experiential stuff is the most powerful stuff. And, you know, coming into this program, what I've realized um, over time, because I had a spiritual awakening of the educational variety, it means, you know, for me it happened over time. It wasn't a sudden kind of white light deal. And what I, what I realized today is that, yes, indeed, you know, it, this is a spiritual program. Make no bones about it. There's other, there's other ways, you know, that we can, we can attempt to lose weight. There's other ways that we can attempt to try to... Uh, you know, you know, try to positively impact our emotional lives, our relationships. But this is a this is a holistic program, really, from my vantage point. It's a holistic program that starts with with the spirituality, and and then you know, once the spiritual malady, which is really what I had, is overcome, then we straighten out physically and and, and mentally, and that's what happened for me. So it takes what it takes. It takes you know over time. It uh, it happened for me. And now I, I have um, I have a peace and serenity in the midst of you know challenge and and all kinds of you know difficulties that we all face. Um, and and no, I don't pick up the food anymore. And yes, I, I treat people better. And yes, I'm I'm more likely to to to, um, to get out of self and, and try to, to to be of maximum service to God and to those about me. So it's a really wonderful program, and I'm grateful for this. And thank God. For Alcoholics Anonymous, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? I would. Nancy. Sally. I heard an I would, and then I heard Sally, and then Nancy. Who was the I would? 
I would was Nancy. <laughs> okay, great. Anyone else? Renata. Okay, then we'll go with. Okay, Renata. Thank you. Let's go with Nancy first, and then Sally. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, and I'm Nancy E. Uh, R. And I am a grateful recover compulsive overeater. And uh, you know, even though this chapter is uh, entitled uh, and written for agnostics, it has so much meaning for me. And I was raised in a, a very religious home. My father was a pastor, and I just—I never—I had compart. It has finally dawned to me that I had compartmentalized other gods. My understanding then and to a very ritualistic type of uh, being and my relationship to this being. And it never dawned on me, even even after coming into OA, even after uh, reading the big book, I never really internalized that uh, the God of my understanding could actually help me with this problem. And... It has taken. It, it, it's been really a um, process of evolution, and I am so grateful um, that today I do have a, a power uh, greater than myself. I see it in the meetings. I hear it on the meetings. I see it in myself. Uh, I remember once as a kid asking my father something about God, and he said, "You don't question God, Nancy," and that just really uh, sort of set in motion my whole uh, relationship with this deity that but today I have a working relationship and uh, sometimes I, I can get angry upset I can, I can have all kinds of emotions with this God of my understanding today but what I do what I do what I have come to believe and what I know to be true is that it has saved me the God of my understanding has saved me from uh, the pits of this disease, and today I, you know, I have been made whole. I have received the promises of this program. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy R. Good morning, Sally A. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, a vision for you with Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive eater. I wanted to speak to the sentence we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves a willingness to believe. And interestingly, as we we allow our eyes to cross the page over to page 47, they say it again very soon. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe? And so these words, willing to to believe, very important words, they're used again on page 57 in our book, It tells us, what is this but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. There it is again. And we see that these same essentials that are spoken of at the end of page 57 are also spoken of. The exact same word is used at the bottom of page 13 in Bill's story. I always say all roads lead to Bill. Bottom of page 13 again uses the words, the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. 
I mean, that's kind of a key thing to say, you're going to answer all my problems, and here are those elements, belief in the power of God, plus, like a mathematical equation, plus a pinch of willingness, enough willingness, honesty, and humility. So there we see that willingness again. And I wanted to say that on page 34 and 35 in the 12 and 12, it tells us that all we need is a key. And it goes on to say at the beginning of page 34, there is only one key, and it is called willingness. It says the exact same thing on page 35 in the 12 and 12. It will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. And I want to end by saying that for me, I'm learning daily that this key of willingness, the willingness to believe, and the the willingness to be open-minded, this key of willingness is a progressive key. I find that even though I've been abstinent from sugar and flour and a host of other things, and I'm still continuing to grow and to learn this, I'm just constantly growing my willingness, growing my open-mindedness. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. And then Renata G., good morning to you, and we'll move on after Renata. Uh, hi, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Um, this paragraph, to me, you know, is the essence of step two. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. You know, um, I need, you know, step two. What I had to do was to let go of my old ideas let go of everything that I knew wasn't working for me and, you know, express even a willingness, you know. It's just saying, can you have an open mind? Can you be open to the possibility? You know, it's it's not telling me to, to define God, to name God, or to have an image of God. It's it, 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 Step two doesn't tell me to do any of that. I just need to let go of my old ideas and prejudice and have an open mind, have an open mind for something new, you know, believe to a, believe that maybe what worked for others could work for me too. And, uh, you know, it says that if, um, we commence to get results. And to me, you know, that means that as soon as I let go of control, right, if I, if I really took step one, and I know I am powerless, and I cannot control this thing, this disease, and I let go absolutely of control, and I'm going to follow the process, and I'm going to do what I'm guided to do, you know, I'm going to commence to get results because I'll be, do, I'll be doing different things that I was doing in the past. You know, I'm going to have an open mind and try something different because everything else has failed, everything that Renata tried to do that Renata tried to control didn't work. And uh, that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share my that. Thank you, Renata G. Chelsea H., would you continue our study, please, with the second paragraph on page 46? Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for your service. 
This is Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect the contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. And this information here in the text for me, as I continue to live in the realm of the spirit, I'm experiencing it um, one day at a time. And one of the things at this point in the work, I've already been told that I am not God because I can't even stop eating. I can't stay stopped eating. I can't even do that. I can't even manage the little things in my life without it turning into chaos and confusion causing me to become restless, irritability, irritable, and discontented, and then I need to eat over it. That's all I know. I don't have power over this particular area in my life, and as a result, other areas have been unmanageable. So this information is, to me, a lot of conditional things. It gives me a lot of promises in this uh, section, too, this little part here. First of all, it's telling me that I get to choose my own conception. I need to have a relationship with power. That's my dilemma. So, okay, here's a chance now where I'm actually giving a choice. I can make a decision about something. My whole problem is I haven't been able to have the power of choice. So right off the bat here, as soon as we lay aside prejudice, we're actually giving. We commence to have some kind of power, and that power is to make a decision about a relationship with power, choice. Wow. Just right off the bat, we get, as soon as we lay aside prejudice, whatever it is, the totality of it all enters because we're turning to that power now. And then here are some of the promises that it says. It says that we found that God does not, uh, oh, first, the first thing, too, that you have to continue with the rest of the steps. I don't want to move too fast ahead of that. It says we began to possess a new sense of power that I just talked about in direction, and here's the condition, provided we took other simple steps, those four through nine steps, those action steps. So that um, sense of power will be felt provided we continue forward. And then it goes on to say that we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. Here we are again, another promise. God doesn't make hard terms, but the condition is that we seek him. And then we go into the next um, part of this text that I find that for me it speaks to the realm of the spirit. It's broad and roomy, all-inclusive. That's a promise. But the condition to meet that promise is that we earnestly seek so we become seekers at this point, and it's said already that we're not going to be able to fully define or comprehend it, but it is something that we need, so we need to make some type of resolve with ourselves that we are going to make a decision to establish a relationship, an effective relationship, because a lot of us have relationships, but an effective relationship with some kind of power. What we call it all seems to be irrelevant at this point based on the text, because it says it's impossible for any of us to fully define. So we don't need to waste a lot of time on definitions. What we need to do is to continue with the rest of the work because that's the condition. Provided we took other simple steps. 
those action steps. And thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Hiya P. Hi, this is Jane. Hi, Hiya P. And then Jane, you'll be after Hiya. Thanks, Melanie. Hi, everybody. This is Hiya P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive eater, and bulimic in Denver, Colorado. Love this paragraph. I am one of those who came to believe. And um, you know, the, as Chelsea was just saying, you know, these are all promises that all I'm doing. I, I've lost the power of choice when it came to food, but here's here's where you know the ultimate choice of real life. Of the choice is right. Go on to the bitter end, or pick up these simple tools that we read, and there is a solution. And uh, you know, the the fact that. All I'm doing is seeking. And that's what the book tells us is the whole point of these 12 steps. You know, the last time I checked, God doesn't need my food. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 I have a problem, right? We established that in the last few chapters. I have a really big problem. And the solution, this is the solution. The solution is a power greater than myself. It's telling me that no matter where I am on the spectrum of belief, not belief, it doesn't really matter. But what really matters is that I've got a problem and the only solution is power. And it's telling me now that all I have to do is seek that power. I'm just seeking that power. It's open. It's all-inclusive. It's roomy. There isn't a specific you know, slate that you have to fill except seeking through these these uh, these these tools, you know, these steps that we're going to be given, and I am so grateful for that because I was really in a bind. You know, I I couldn't stop eating or sticking my finger down my throat, and um, I knew I was I was doomed in that respect. And I had to now I had to go find God. Like that was just too weird to me. But the people who were abstinent and happy were people who were talking about the 12 steps in God. And um, the whole, I just, it's just amazing to me that the whole point, the, whole, the actual point of our steps is to become connected to a power greater than ourselves, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the book calls it God. The book says God, but it's not defining that for you. And it really doesn't matter what I define it as, because if it's God, it's God, right? So it's just my per, my perception of what, of what that is. But if it's the power, it's the power. It's like, you know, I can call the power that makes the lights go on in my house whatever I want, but the bottom line is it's the power that makes the lights go on, whatever I call it. It works. And I'm so grateful, and I just want to welcome anyone who's new or anyone who's going, God, this is what they talk about? I don't know if this is for me. That's what I thought, you know, or it's this religion or it's that religion. It's not a religion. It's not a dogma. It's, it's saying, if we have this problem, if you have this problem, which is when I pick up certain foods, I can't stop, and when I stop, I can't stay stopped, then only a power greater than myself is going to help me. And I have a way of seeking that power, and that's through these 12 steps. And with that, I'm really grateful, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Haya P. Jane, it's your turn. Good morning to you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Jane B. from Delray Beach, Florida. I'm a recovered addict. And um, I, I want to tell you how much I appreciate this meeting because, um, you know, the line-by-line line method, it's, that's the way I took these steps, too. And 
um, my experience with step two was that was my big stumbling block because um, my my uh, my God wasn't sufficient to keep me abstinent. Um, I had to find something greater than me that was by far a more positive um, God of my understanding. It didn't even have to have a name. It just had to something positive that I knew I could trust 100%, just like I trusted my spirit 100%, and I trusted these steps 100%. But I had, for me, I had to let go of that old idea of a God, of the God of my not understanding, really. I didn't understand what God was. But I knew what I wanted. <clears throat> I wanted it to be something that I could trust explicitly, without exception, without a doubt in my mind, when the, when faced with any situation, food problem, anything, I could turn to that higher power. And that's what I needed. Um, I needed to fire that, as I've heard before, I've had to fire that old God, that former God who wasn't the the love, all-loving, all-knowing, all-present God. So for me, it wasn't adequate just to say I believe. Um, I had to smash that idea that God had to be what I once thought he was. So that was also smashing some old ideas. So everything had to be smashed for me. And um, if you're having a struggle with that, you know, you can choose your own conception of God. It doesn't have to be what it once was. And for me, that was a big break for me. That was my turning point where I really could go to step three. Thank you. Thank you, Jane B. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Paragraph two on page twenty-six. I heard Sarah W and Kathy K. Anybody else? Leah. Hi, Leah. Good morning. Okay, Sarah W. First, please. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. I'm in good company. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Sarah W. Grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you know, for me, um, the whole second step, um, uh, you know, the idea of finding a, a new conception of what I could feel would be there for me, um, not only about the food, but about everything in my life, um, is is really, you know, powerful. And the idea that um, my God has to be a very big God, very big um, and, you know, I love on the bottom where it says, uh, to us the realm of of spirit is broad, roomy, and all-inclusive. What a beautiful way to look at it, all-inclusive. Always I felt excluded, never felt included. And the idea that it's all-inclusive and that it says on the on the very last part of this paragraph, it says, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek earnestly and what does earnestly mean I haven't looked it up but my opinion is that earnestly means truly from my heart and it is open we believe to all men and you know it is a spiritual program there is a definite distinction between spiritual and religious and um, for me the steps are all so very important I mean it is just divinely inspired the way this has all come about. You know, the first step is definitely a foundation, 
And the second step is so very important because it allows me to find something, something for me, whatever it is, whether it be nature. I mean, many people believe that nature is their higher power. And at times that's been for me. Uh, Sometimes it's just been a maternal sort of essence. But whatever it is, for me, that's what it is. And it is always growing and always changing. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for our program, and I'm grateful for all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Kathy Kay, good morning. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And the word that keeps standing out for me today is seeking um, and how important it was and still is for me to seek God um, in order to know God and to benefit from God's love and care. And um, for me, when I first started becoming willing, that seeking took the form of um, reading spiritual meditation literature every day. Uh, I would read it. I would think about it. Um, Then I started writing about it. Then I started uh, meditating on it. And these these actions, setting aside time to seek God, was what enabled me to grow a conception of my higher power. And um, it was it was and still is a very gradual process and. I like to think of it as any other relationship that I really value. I have to pay attention to the relationship and nurture the relationship in order for it to thrive. And in this case, it means setting aside time to be quiet, to listen, uh, to pray, um, to meditate, and also to learn from my fellows uh, listening to your conception and how you went about building your relationship with your higher power opens new doors for me as well. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Leah M. Thanks so much, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our own conception, however adequate, was sufficient, and we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction provided we took other simple steps. You know, when I got to this point, um, you know, the disease had just beaten me um, into a state of reasonableness. And when this material was presented to me, you know, I saw that I had to reconsider or die. I mean, I, I, you know, I was brought up in an environment where you had to figure things out. You utilize your intelligence and, you know, your brain power to figure things out and to be self-reliant and to be self-sufficient. And here I was, you know, being asked to have the willingness to consider something that that um, I didn't have any knowledge about and I didn't have any personal evidence or personal history with. And I didn't have any certainty or any uh, particular feeling about it. You know, it was obscure. <laughs> it was nebulous. Um, however, I was cornered. You know, I was cornered. Either I was going to continue to get pummeled by this illness 
um, or I was going to have to take this leap without any benefit of previous experience. However, (laughs) I did have someone sitting opposite me who had recovered, who had also been in this predicament, who reminded me that these this program and these steps do not try to prove the existence of God. We specialize in convincing you of the need of a higher power. And I had been convinced. You know, my almost two decades of madness and mayhem in this illness had convinced me that I needed to make a decision. However, the big book is very gentle at this point. You don't even have to believe at this point. You just have to be willing to believe. Willing to believe. Can you be willing to believe, Leah, that there's something that can save you from yourself? You know, because if willingness is the key to unlock the gates of hell, and that was true for me, then it was going to be action of these steps that was going to open those doors so that I was going to be able to walk freely. And I saw that living proof in the person who was carrying the message to me. And so that's, that was my, that's what I kept my eyes focused on. You know, that a life based on the belief of a higher power, on a belief that God exists, is going to be far superior to a life without that foundation. And that that was going to be true, even if God did not exist. Even if God did not exist. A life based on the belief that He does, in my own uh vision of that higher power was going to be far superior, and that that was going to be the secret of the spirituality within this this program, is that God was going to remain anonymous without any specific or required name. It was up to my conception. And with that, I forged ahead. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Alice M. Hi, good morning, Alice. Good morning. This is this is Alice, a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And um I just scratched down uh, some words for myself, how I how I interpret this, how um my take on it. And I had um how I look at this as um as someone with an unconventional spirituality, I guess. Um say recovery Recovery, we believe, which includes which includes entire abstinence, is open to all, regardless of how you define or don't define your power greater than yourself, regardless of how your disease manifests itself around the food. Um, and I put, you know, whether, what, because I feel like, you know, I a lot of times felt like I was unique in my, you know, my binging and vomiting. I never was overweight. You know, I just, I don't think this can work for me. So regardless of how it manifests itself, whether an exercise, a, a, whether a compulsive overeater, whether an exercise, a laxative or a puking bulimic, whether a restrictor, a chew and spitter, a ruminator, whatever, recovery is open to us all. And that is not your brand of spirituality or your flavor of eating disorder. It is open to all of us. And um, where it says as soon as let me see this part. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, for me it was as soon as we admitted, as soon as I admitted, felt the possible existence of a power in something. And for me, that was the, a 12 step program of recovery, which I stayed clear of for so many years. As soon as I recognized 
that possible existence, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we followed the steps and embraced the principles in our daily living. So what I get from this is, you know, it matters not what, you know, we don't need to define what we believe in or even have a definition or even believe in a higher power or a God. You know, I and I've found a lot of comfort in that, that I just need to believe in a greater power. I believe in the strength within myself and the strength from others that have gone, you know, before me in this program and the strength I get from living, really trying to embrace and live in these principles, which is a really new direction for me. Um, that, you know, recovery is there for me too, you know, and I'm experiencing that. So um, that's just the what I got out of, um, you know, out of all that. It is open. It is here for all of us. It matters not our differences, our diversity in our spirituality, our diversity in our eating disorders. It is, you know, it is here. And, and I, I am just so grateful that I've found a home um, in this program today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Alice M. Would anyone Rekifet? else like to share? Rekifet? Hello, good morning, Rekifet. Oh, Did I hear someone okay. else with you, Rekifet? Mary Lillian. Mary Lillian. This is a great time today for anyone that hasn't normally shared to be able to do so, but we'll start with Rekifet Z and then go with Mary Lillian. Good morning, Rekifet. Morning. Thank you. Um, I'm Rekifet Z, a recovery compulsive over here in California, and I got a lot of this reading today. The first in the first paragraph we talked about being willing. So when I came into program sixteen years ago, I had no God. I had no God at all. And they told me if you want to get fit, if you want to be happy, you have to believe in God. You have to pray in the morning, you have to pray at night, you have to get it on your knees. I said, Sure, sure I'll do it. I want to be thin my whole life, my whole entire life. I wanted to be thin more than anything else in the world because I had been fat my whole life. So, um, yeah, I thought that I thought that I did uh, believe in God, and you know, I did at times when when good things happened to me, I believed in God. Yeah, that God did that. That was a miracle. And when bad things happened to me, then there was no God. There was no God, or God was punishing me. One of those two, and. What I came to realize with each relapse, 15 years of relapse, is that I had to believe more and more. I had to believe more and more deeper. Every time I relapsed, I had to dig further. I had to seek. I had to seek God further until God was in my heart, deep in my heart, and there was no question for me. There was no question for me whether God was there or not. There's no question right now in my for me. Because I just kept having to dig. I had to dig. I had to dig further and realize that I can't do this. I cannot do this. I don't like the person I am. I don't like not only that I'm fat, that I've been fat my whole life. I don't like who I am. I don't like the the way I think. I don't like the things I do. I want to change. And, you know, 15 years of relapse was pure hell. Pure hell. But with every relapse... I just cried out to God more. Where are you? What do you want from me? What do you really want from me? How much more? How much more do you want from me? And there was always more to give. I didn't think there was any more to give, but there was always more. And I'm just so grateful today that I don't have that question anymore. You know, I don't kind of believe or I believe if it's 
good things happen or I, you know, but every day I do need to seek out God. I need to seek out God every morning before this meeting. I meditate for half an hour. I have to. I have to seek God out first thing in the morning and I want to. I want to start my day that way. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you. Uh, Mary Lillian here, a compulsive overeater, uh, Philadelphia. Um, thanks, Mel, uh, for everything. And uh, I just needed to share that when I came in the program, um, I had no God. But what, what enamored me about the um, the seeking, uh, which is uh, definitely stressed in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that I wanted what you people had. There was a power and an impetus in the group that I saw as never before in my life. I wanted the compassion which you showed, the empathy, the suffering with, the suffering in, and I saw a piece of my God in every one of you, and, and that's what motivated me to seek and to keep seeking. I, 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 I've heard people say, well, I don't have any power over finding God. Well, I do believe I have the power of the will, and I can use it negatively or positively. And I used it positively by seeking because I wanted so badly what you guys had. And I continued to seek, and I finally found him because I saw God in every one of you, and I'm just so grateful. And thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Mary Lillian. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we close out today? Hi, Melanie. My name is Frances T. I am a recovering compulsive overeater. I'd like to share. Good morning, Francis T. Please, yes. Thank you so much. This paragraph, this chapter, everyone who has spoken has so resonated with me. Well, I came into recovery quite a while ago. And when someone said the God word to me, <laughs> it was like a vampire putting, you know, having a stake put in its heart or something like that. And I just totally, you know, ran back and said, no, 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 no. And you know what? It took time, but I finally realized that being in recovery and being with people that were recovering at that particular time, you know, they were, they actually were God with skin on. And, you know, I didn't think that I could ever get what they got. I didn't think that, you know, um... God, a group of drunks. I didn't think they would become the God of my childhood. I grew up, of course, from a Catholic school. I went to Catholic schools all my life. I became a young, you know, an adult, and as crazy as I was, I didn't practice the religion anymore. But you know, I um, I was seeking. I was always seeking, and so God brought me to twelve-step recovery. Um, after too many experiences and good ad- good orderly direction, you know, took over. And I've been in recovery for a while. And, you know, I really feel like today is going to be a turning point for me. Um, the God of my choice is the God of my childhood. And though I sought other religions and did practice them and got very involved, God, to me, today, is the greatest thing in my life and is everything. 
and every one of you that I have heard share today, I so thank you and I so appreciate. And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Francis T. And thank you to everyone who shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164 and follow that with a serenity prayer. Well, Michelle K., please read A Vision for You. A book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Michelle K., compulsive overreader in New Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.